What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, here on a Tuesday afternoon. It's March 16th, 2021, the week of the NCAA tournament. By the time you're listening to this, the tournament may have already started. Uh, but we have, it's been a very busy time here on the show. We just previewed the NCAA tournament field, talked about every single team. Uh, had a lot of fun doing that. I also did another episode that I released today where I spoke with my cousin Zoe Jeffrey. And Zoe is not a sports fan. I thought it'd be interesting. How does a non-sports fan complete their NCAA bracket? We had a fun time with that. And uh, it was a funny episode. Definitely worth uh, worth some laughs. So check that out if it piques your interest. We're now on the second half of our MLB preview series today previewing the National League Central. We've already previewed the American League East, American League West, the National League West. Now we're on to the NL Central, entering the home stretch, only a couple weeks away from opening day. Uh, and we've got basically we're gonna we're gonna run through these teams in the NL Central and we're gonna have a lot of fun. So I'm not gonna waste any more time. I'm gonna bring in our guest for the day helping me preview the NL Central. Now you may have caught him. He was on my show last summer. We had a lot of fun We're just talking some sports. He's a huge Cubs fan. He was a collegiate swimmer at Davidson University. Uh, Grant Smith, and also a good friend of mine for a long time. How are you doing? <laughs> Jack, thanks for having me again. A repeat offender here on the show. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always fun to be able to, to come on and, and talk baseball. I know you get excited. I get excited. Um, I, I know people are really excited for March Madness. Um, so to whoever you're rooting for, good luck to them. Um, Davidson <laughs> didn't make it this year, but all the more reason to start looking at baseball. <laughs> Absolutely. It's the best time of the year on sports calendar. Definitely is. I think there's so much to be excited for. There's, there's a lot of hope coming to this year, I think, with the vaccines coming out and we are in a much different spot i know last time we talked uh, so <laughs> yeah olympics as well there's there's a lot going on in the sporting world a lot of uh, kind of new fresh things 100 percent. we've got fans in ballparks and it's just it's an exciting time for sure grant and uh let's not waste any more time we'll get into these teams before i do that though i guess i should ask how'd you why don't you describe your cub your cubs fandom for those that don't know you Oh my goodness! I uh, so I, I grew up with Jack in, in the suburbs of Chicago on the north side. Um, grew up family family shared season tickets with a number of other families, and it's it's kind of the cliche. You, you go to the ballpark, you you smell smell the grass, smell the fresh air. But for me, this is much more of the the experience and what it meant to to my brother, my mom, and my dad, and just being able to go to games um, meant the world to me. And it, it, being a Cubs fan, I I wanted to include other people on that. So bringing a lot of friends to games and just getting them to care about a team that was so bad um, was <laughs> over and over again, it, albeit for a couple years um, early in the 2000s and 2008 and stuff like that. But it's, it's been a journey. I would describe my fandom as a journey um, less defined by certain players, but more defined by certain moments. Um, I, I was actually at the Bartman game 
um, with my brother and my, my dad. That's a memory that's seared into me forever. I was in Wrigleyville when the Cubs won the World Series for the first time. So there's there's a lot of small things along the way, too, that define my fandom. But I, it's really the moments. Um, and it's it's been so so up and down. But <laughs> it's it's ultimately been a, a true testament to, to really caring about something and loving something. Um, and I love the Cubs. It's I, I, I like all and love all the other teams in, in Chicago, but I'm in love with the Cubs. <laughs> Good stuff, Grant. Yeah, I think right now, and we'll talk Cubs later on, we're going to save the Cubs for the end of this show because Grant and I know we're going <laughs> to, once we get going on it, we, it'll be hard for us to stop and we got to talk about all these other teams. But I think right now you're going to have an opportunity to decipher who are the true Cubs fans, who are the people who just kind of float when the things are good, um, who are those people. And for me personally, I would say, Grant, I loved it when they won the World Series. I was a huge fan, but I kind of feel like after they won the World Series, I sort of graduated from baseball fandom in a lot of ways. It was like, it's never going to get better than this. This is the peak. And now that I'm a podcaster, I'm a writer, I try to look at it as objectively and fairly as possible. So I think that I have a had a different perspective on the Cubs than a lot of the more um, fans have, the unwavering fans. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that there'll be some differences that we have as we talk about them today. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be. And that's something coming on your show. I know I always have to check myself with, <laughs> with the fandom and, and the love and the passion that I have with, with reality. Um, and there's been some heavy doses of reality um, for the Cubs and other NL Central teams over the past couple of years. Um, it's been it's been a, a pretty pretty tough tough division for a long time, but I don't know how competitive um, it, it's maintaining. Yeah, I think that looking at this division as a whole. I actually don't think it's a terrible division. I know some people are saying it's it's the worst in baseball. It might be, but I actually think the AL West, at first glance, I think the AL West is worse. I think this is the worst one in the National League for sure. The NL East is great, probably the best in baseball. Mm-hmm. NL West, you have two upper echelon teams. This division, you have one team that's clearly not going to be good at all that's probably going to lose 100 games but the other four teams have relatively high floors i don't think any of them are going to be awful i don't think any of them are going to be truly bad Um, but at the same time they also have stunted ceilings it doesn't feel like there's really a team in here aside from maybe the cardinals that could really be a serious contender out of the national league this year yeah I i think that's the the interesting balance is it feels like they, the teams have always been for the past couple of years, the, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Cubs, and the Cubs swiftly kind of pulling themselves out of that conversation. I think losing <laughs> losing some, some big pitchers and the, the talks of Chris Bryant, of course, but you, I, I always get intimidated whenever um, – Whenever we have to go through a Cincinnati Reds team with with Castellanos who who can get hot and Eugenio Suarez right, and then having to go against a Cardinals pitching staff that seems to just it, it seems to just never miss a beat, even though they might not be 
than the top five. They're, they're certainly the best in this division, in my opinion. Um, so going up against somebody who just added Nolan Arenado to their, to their roster too, and having to go through, um, Christian Yelich, who is a consistent MVP on his good years, um, MVP candidate. It's, it's intense. And and the Cubs are are struggling to keep up with that firepower. Um, albeit the pirates. I I don't know if I can name anybody who, who's really worthy of being in the conversation, but it's, it's, (laughs) there's a lot to talk about, but when you, there's not a lot of, uh, there's not a lot of certainties, um, which I think is the interesting thing. Um, when you compare just the teams within the division, of course, when you go out of the division, there's some intimidating teams. Oh, for sure, Grant. But we're focusing on the ones in this division, and we're going to lead off. I got these win over under totals from courtesy of DraftKings, uh, and we can share our picks. We're going to start with the lowest ranked team, lowest projected or lowest over under total, I should say. That's the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, over these preview series, we started getting some of these email submissions, people who listen to this show, and also got in touch with some folks who are some of the admins of the biggest baseball groups on Facebook (laughs) in terms of Facebook groups. And so we have these little two-minute previews. They come from fans of each team, and I was able to round up the best I could do for this. I got the Cubs. I got the Pirates. And I got the Brewers. I had a guy for the Cardinals. I had a guy for the Reds. And neither of them were able to submit it in time. I don't know what happened with them. But hey, no worries. It happens. All good. All good. But I'm going to start with this voicemail submission. This is from Scott Walters. And I actually haven't even listened to this one, Grant. So let's let's give it a rip and uh, we'll see what you think. Hey, everyone. My name is Scott Walters. And I run a Facebook page called Pirate Fanatics Only pirate fanatics only so go ahead and uh you can go ahead and join the group uh, answer a few questions and we'll let you in so the 2021 pittsburgh pirates my goodness where do we really begin with this team i guess we have to begin with the fact that this is perhaps a beginning a beginning of something that ben charrington is trying to uh, create in pittsburgh and in order to do this creation he has to do a little deconstruction first. So, over the course of the offseason, several parts of the Pirates were moved to other places, and uh, some prospects and others were brought in to sort of help uh, establish something new. It's not going to happen this year, though, I can assure you, um, because there's just not enough talent available on the roster. There's not enough pitching. There might be enough offense, actually, but even still, a lot of it's unproven. A lot of it uh, uh, were people who had maybe a big year in 2019 but showed nothing in 2020. So it's really tough to gauge what's really going to happen with this team. However, there are a couple of bright spots. Um, Brian Hayes, the son of former Pirate and Yankee and a couple other teams, Charlie Hayes, um, he's going to be the third baseman, and uh, he did not get enough at-bats to qualify for Rookie of the Year last year, so he will be a big favorite to win the award this year. And he's doing well enough in the spring this year to warrant um, any attention you may wish to offer him when you have a chance to see him on uh, your uh, whatever TV package you might have. Um, as well, Brian Reynolds is coming off a very disappointing short season 
last year where he didn't even reach the Mendoza line. But uh, suffice to say, um, he has enough talent uh, to be able to go ahead and uh, make a run for much more respectable numbers in the 2021 season. And I think he will, um, only because uh, part of his issues last year were the fact that uh, it was uh, fatherhood time for him, and uh, apparently there were some uh, issues with the pregnancy, so his mind was obviously distracted when it came to that. As far as the rest of the team goes, well, you know, take your pick and, uh, uh, you know, make sure you have a scorecard with you because, you know, we need to know who these guys are. And when it comes to the pitching, uh, we have Mitch Keller, Stephen Broughton, and a gang of 12 or so others. Um, maybe Rich Rodriguez will show up in the bullpen when there is an opportunity for the save. But otherwise, expect the Pirates to be right around 60 wins this year. Vegas has them at 58 and a half, so I would go with the over. Uh, that's it for now from Pittsburgh, and uh, my name is Scott Walters, Pirates Fanatics Only, and I appreciate you listening to this little preview. I love his voice. It's, He's it's got a great voice. Perfect. I really like that. He's very succinct. He's honest. Felt comfortable with his uh, with his analysis. Um, pretty pretty much agreed with most of what he said. No surprises. Yeah, great job, Scott. By the way, Scott Walters. I said Walter. My bad, Scott Walters. Good job, Scott. Okay, Pittsburgh Pirates. There was a transition in uh, the front office over the past, uh, I think it was like the last year or so. Uh, Not sure on the timeline on that. Do you know anything about that, Grant? Um, Not really 100% sure. I think the new GM came in in 2019, which kind of interesting timing to come in. I feel like the the last season is – is, is not a loss or a wash of, of course it mattered. We still crowned a world series champion, but I feel like that's a, it's a tough starting point. So you almost have to kind of ignore anything from, from that last year, in my opinion, and see what he does um, kind of throughout this year, how uh, certain players set up for trades um, and what, what next year's free agency looks like. I think that's really this year. It's, it's kind of a, just get through it. Um, I do, I do think that there's going to be some good veterans options. I don't know how the young players are going to turn out um, for the Pirates or what they have their eye on. Um, it'll be interesting to see where they really start um, from a rebuild perspective. Yeah, this is a very – I mean, their pitching rotation is in shambles at this moment. Uh, they traded this past winter. They traded Jamison Tyon, Joel Musgrove, and who's the other guy? They had another, Oh, Trevor Williams left as a free agent. So three of their mainstays in their pitching rotation over the last few years, all gone. And I'm curious, do any of those guys have the Garrett Cole type of effect where they leave uh, an uncompetitive team and they maybe kick it up a notch when you get Joe Musgrove going back home to San Diego where he's from? Could that be the effect with one of those guys perhaps this year? You know, I certainly think it's a possibility. Um, I think with Garrett Cole, it might have been unique because of the Houston Astros situation, and we've we've seen that. Yeah. Um, certainly with the Padres, um, again, something to keep an eye on. Um, but I, I think for me, it's it's hard to get behind a team without knowing the direction that they're going. Um, so if if their plan is to, to kind of get through this season, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see um, see those pitchers do well elsewhere, right? You get more 
motivation. Um, you get a new spark and, and hopefully the pirates can be that team for, um, free agents next year or after this year to, to really start that rebuild. Um, cause I, I do think it starts with, uh, with your starting rotation. Um, and you put those pieces together around one, two really maybe not aces, um, but guys that can be consistent. Yeah. 100% grant their rotation as it stands right now, as Scott mentioned, Really, you have Mitch Keller, Chad Cool, Stephen Brault. I think all three of those guys are probably locks to make the... I mean, Keller and Brault for sure. Cool, probably a lock for the rotation. Uh, they brought on Tyler Anderson, who's a little bit of a... He's a veteran. He was out in Colorado for a little while. Trevor Cahill is in this as an option. As a, <laughs> They got several of these guys. Let's see. Grant, how many of these guys have you heard of? JT Brubacher, Cody Ponce, Will Crow, Miguel Yahure. Have you heard of any of those guys? If this is a pop quiz, I just failed. <laughs> all those guys are on the depth charts. They're all quite young, though. Yeah, so, and, and that could be the difference, though, right? I, I think you... You get somebody who's young and, and unproven but has their opportunity in the major leagues, that's that's sometimes the spark they need. But I gotta say, I I don't I don't know. I hope for them that they <laughs> they catch that spark. There's a catalyst this season, but I think with the what's already existing across the division, that's gonna be really hard to to overcome. Um and get past the the sixty wins. I do agree um, with Scott there that the fifty eight and a half seems low, just because it's a such a low number below five hundred, <laughs> and with a division that has some clear front runners, but no true powerhouses. I wouldn't say the Cardinals or the Brewers are really powerhouses. Um, <laughs> so I, I I struggle with somebody being under sixty, but. When you when you don't know the roster to to any extent um, or the familiarity, there is some there is some firepower that comes with knowing you're going against somebody with a big name in the major leagues, and without that, it's it's hard to really gain gain that confidence of your teammates and go and win games consistently. Yeah, offensively, I don't think this is a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. They've got Colin Moran. They've got Gregory Polanco still hanging around there. Uh, Scott mentioned Kid Brian Hayes. He's the number nine prospect in all of baseball. He should be a stud. So he'll be a lot of fun to watch. He's definitely the the main attraction for the Pirates this season is what can you get out of him in his first full season in the bigs. And then, you know, they, they got some other nice pieces here. Adam Frazier, he's a nice player. Brian Reynolds uh, had that. He was really good a couple years ago. He was a centerpiece of that Andrew McCutcheon trade. And then you've also got Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman's a good shortstop. He's a good player. So they they have names on this team. They're offensively, this question, as you mentioned, is what who's available? I mean, they just move Tyon via trade. They move Musgrove via trade. So who are the guys that you're sticking with moving into that next era with the pirates and who are you making available at the trade deadline? Because I have to think several of these guys probably will be available. Yeah. I, I think that's, and where do you go? Do you, do you start to rebuild during this year with, with a couple like shorter term contracts and just see how it goes. And obviously I'm not a, 
not a GM, but I'd be interested to see the uh, the philosophy that is kind of put into place by um, by this team and, and see where Ben Charrington kind of takes his approach. Um, because, it, like you said, they're they're not a bad offensive team, but you could score 15 runs and, and lose 16 to 15 every game, um, and, and that's that's what concerns me about a pitching rotation. Um, I've, I've, I've witnessed it time and time again. Um, and, and last year, just they, they have no momentum to build off of. I think that's the tough part is they only won 19 games last year. I think that was, that was definitely the worst by a handful of games. So, so kind of knowing you're going into, into a new season still with no hope, um, I'm curious to know what the strategy is behind reassessing certain individuals and continuing to restructure the team. Yeah. So a couple other things to watch. Vanessa Hudgens, we might see her at some games this year. Do you know why? I you, forgot ooh, about that you, one. You you knew about this one? She's dating I Cole think Tucker. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> that is wild. And that's the kind of player that I think is is the new type of baseball player um, in the sense of we we grew up with a lot of big names. Um, I think you, you saw him on Sports Center, and I think there's there's a new changing of the guard happening. And for a player like Cole Tucker to to just be in the news, I think it's good for the game whether he's dating Vanessa Hudgens um, or whoever, <laughs> whatever celebrity it is, I, I genuinely think it's it's good for the game to be a little bit more out there and um, kind of bring some more attention, whether people are watching all nine innings or not. Um, and the Pirates can certainly benefit from that. Um, <laughs> for if sure. you're going to have a losing season, you still want to be talked about. Any press is good press. And I also shout out to Stephen Brault. Stephen Brault is one of the best characters in the game. He's a guy who has hopped on some broadcasts. I saw my spring training broadcast on one of his off days. He was excellent as an analyst. He's got a bright future with that. He's also released his own album as a uh, a pitch at Broadway, it's, and he sings all songs from musicals. So Stephen Brault, another guy who, if you don't know a whole lot about him, He's something to watch for. He's a good character. Seems like the Pirates have a lot of lot of off-the-diamond stuff going for them. <laughs> Not a whole lot on the diamond. I would go <laughs> under the 59.5. I'm going to say 56 wins for the Pittsburgh Pirates this year. I think I'm going to stick with, I think Scott said 60. I think I'm going to go over. Um, not confidently so. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 60. Uh, knowing the, knowing the, that there might be some young talent that emerges. Um, we'll see. All right. Now we have two teams at 82 and a half. Let's go with the Cincinnati Reds first. They're the next one that we're going to talk about. The Cubs are weighing in at 79 and a half, but we're saving the Cubs for the end. Talk Cincinnati Reds. So last year, Grant, Cincinnati Reds, uh, they got into the playoffs. They were playing some good baseball down the stretch, and they couldn't score any runs against the Atlanta Braves. They may have scored one run, if any, over those two games. And now they lose Trevor Bauer. They shopped and they lost uh, Rossell Iglesias, their closer. 
He's one of the better closers in baseball. They didn't really figure out a their shortstop situation because they lost. Uh, oh gosh, it wasn't Iglesias. Who was their shortstop last year? I, I think yeah, Eugenio Suarez might be there. Might be moving to shortstop. Um, really? That's I, I saw some some rumors of that. Um, that's crazy! Wow. I think was it was it Freddie Galvis? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, it's Freddie Galvis yeah. and. Him and Iglesias were kind of the same type of guy where they're really great glove uh, defensive shortstops. And now Suarez moves over from third base as an unknown at short. That That's that's shocking to me. I hadn't heard that. On their depth chart, they have Jose Garcia and Kyle Farmer. They lost pieces from last year's team, some important pieces. They didn't replace them. They couldn't score runs last year. They had a terrific rotation. I don't really see where the Reds are going this year. Yeah, I I kind of had a similar take to be honest. I I do think that losing Trevor Bauer, I know a lot of people just because of his name will say, "Hey, like that's that's a big loss." And don't get me wrong, it's it's a big loss for the Reds. Um but I think Trevor or excuse me, I think Joey Votto and Eugenio Suarez have have some making up to do for, for their efforts last season um, in, on the offensive end specifically. Both, I think they averaged out each to be around 215, 220 averaging, which not the worst by any means, but to be able to be the leaders of the team on the offensive end um, and really bring your team up to to be fighting for a division title, then they need to improve. And I think, I honestly think that this team will go how Nick Castellanos goes. I know when he went on a tear with the Cubs that completely changed the season. Yeah. And I have a feeling that that might be what the Reds are headed for this year. Um, their, their bullpen um, and their rotation, not bad, especially when we think about the pirates and, and what they have to deal with in comparison <laughs> right. to the rest of the division. Um, but but I'm with you. I, I don't really know what the goal was or maybe if there's some more pending moves, um, especially at that shortstop position, which we all know the importance of a good defense. Yeah, I don't really see how they go up from where they were last year. That's the main thing. Their their rotation is still solid. So you're looking at Sonny Gray, Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley, Wade Miley, Jeff Hoffman, uh, Castillo and Gray. Last year with Bauer, that was as good of a top three as you could have in the National League. Uh, big shoes to fill for Mally, Miley, and uh, Mally and Miley. That's that's fun to say. <laughs> but big shoes to fill there. Nevertheless, it should still be a good rotation. Their bullpen is still really good, even without Iglesias. They're going to slide Amir Garrett into that closer role. They picked up Sean Doolittle, and they also have Michael Lorenzen. Michael Lorenzen, of course, one of the most exciting players in the game of baseball. He's a true two-way player. He plays center field for them. He can swing the bat very well, and he's a lockdown reliever. Yeah, I mean, you, you list him as well, but um, the 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 Doolittle um, aspect and the rest and Sonny Gray, I really like those guys. Um and yeah, but it, I mean, Sonny Gray's not going to be pitching every day, 
right? And being able right. to to build off of um, just winning two out of the three in, in series consistently, it's I don't see how they do that consistently unless the matchups are really in their yeah. favor. Yeah. Their bats just have been disappointing. Joey Votto, who's one of my favorite players in this whole league, ever since that 2017 season, he was runner-up for the MVP. He hasn't been the same guy that seemed to be his last really peak Joey Votto season in the last few years. He's been he's not he hasn't been a bad player. He's carried his weight, but I mean, you're talking about potentially a Hall of Fame type player hasn't been the same, hasn't I mean, he's expensive, too, on that big contract. Votto is a great leader for this clubhouse. Nevertheless, they need more out of Joey Votto. Mike Moustakis and uh, Nick Castellanos, they contributed last year. You always, every year, I look at the Reds and I say, they got a lot of guys who can hit. They got Jesse Winker. They've got Suarez. They've got uh, Nick Senzel. They've got, now they, they also have Shogo Akiyama. Didn't do too much in his rookie campaign coming over from Japan. Aristide Sakino, he was a guy who went on a tear when he got called up a couple years ago. I'm sure you remember that, Grant. Yep. <laughs> so it's like they have the names. They just – I don't know what it is. They don't score runs, though, and it's a hitter's park. They've been disappointing offensively, and I, I don't see – they didn't do anything that makes me think they're going to be better from a year ago. Now, maybe maybe you get the breakout year from Senzel. Maybe that's something there. But maybe Akiyama, he's another guy, breakout year. But, yeah, I, I'm just not seeing it for the Reds this year. It it sounds similar to what we were saying a little bit for the Pirates, right? It's, it's almost like instead of going out and getting somebody to win now and having that, that attitude that they seemed like they had two years ago and last year um, with the acquisitions they made, I, I feel like they're they're almost um, they're they're betting on the the younger players to to be that difference and that that's rare. I, I don't think we see that enough to be able to count on that. And, and and maybe they think their pitching is stronger than we're we're predicting here. But I I just don't see um, I don't see them winning that many games. I don't see, I honestly don't see them being above that, that 500 mark. Um, when, when I think about it and, and that's why I said it, I, I think it does come back to a Nick Castellanos. Cause if I, if I'm the Reds, I would, I would be trying to, to get another bat knowing that Joey Votto, who I think he's on the injured list right now, he's getting up there with age. So even if he does hit well, it's, is he going to be the game changer for, hundreds uh, 162 games right and right how how often is he gonna have to sit out as a veteran now so i think there's there's a lot of considerations that i'm sure you and i are looking past but there's glaring <laughs> glaring factors that they they don't they didn't seem to address in the offseason yeah i just don't i'm not seeing it with the reds couple other notes to mention they do have two top 100 prospects uh that we should see this year tyler stevenson is already at the mlb level he's a catcher and he's the number 95 ranked prospect in baseball entering the 2021 season nick lodolo he's another one keep an eye on left-handed pitcher he, we should see him sometime this summer and let's not forget about Hunter Green. Hunter Green is expected to be another year away, but he was a real high pick. Uh, and he's been showing, he's been apparently, he's been looking good at spring training from what I've heard. 
That's that's the ultimate question, right? How much value do we put into spring training? Um, and it's it's. I feel like if I say, "Hey, this guy's playing well in spring training," people will say it doesn't matter. But if I say, "Hey, this guy's playing poorly in spring training," they'll say the same thing. So I, I put more stake. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what do you, do you like the guy or do you not like the guy? Because it's really easy to yeah to use that argument for against. I agree. You. I I think I put more stake into spring training than than your average uh, baseball fan. Less so in the wins and losses, but it builds momentum. And of course, it's hard to keep that momentum for an entire season. But I would rather my team be developing that morale, developing that uh, chemistry through some positive moments rather than um, our seeing a bullpen give up dozens of runs at a time <laughs> right? and just ignoring it. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So... Cincinnati Reds, their team that I was so high on a couple years ago. I'm out on the Reds now because they've disappointed me too many times. 82 and a half. What do you think, Grant? Over or under? And what's your number? I think under. I, I think under because of the the offense that the, the Cubs and the Cardinals and the Brewers have shown. Um, less so the Brewers, maybe. Um but I, I'm going to go with 79 wins. Um, I think they're going to flirt with 500 all season. And then either they make a move and they prove me wrong or some other teams are going to be fighting for those those wild cards and those um, playoff positions. I'm going to go with 79 wins. Yeah, I'm going to go with 78 wins for the Cincinnati Reds uh, for all the all the reasons that we mentioned. Let's keep it moving, and let's go over to uh, Wrigley North up there in Milwaukee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me bring up my – let me pull up my Milwaukee preview real quick. We got this one from Richard Gilbert, and he is – Richard Gilbert, he, he runs one of the biggest Brewers Facebook fan groups on Facebook, of course. So let me pull that up real quick. All right. Here we go. Richard Gilbert. Due to the COVID pandemic, the Brewers finished the 2020 season with a record of 29-31. and 31. They would eventually end up losing to the Los Angeles Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs. In 2021, there is optimism that we can do better than that. The regular roster of players are back from last year, such as Christian Yelich, Orlando Arcia, and Keston Hira. This roster has also been bolstered by the additions of Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. We have a log jam in the outfield, but great depth there as well. Our pitching staff is pretty much the same as it was last year with Brandon Woodruff leading the way and closing with the fastball specialist Josh Hader. In the infield, we only have one question going into the season. Who will play third? Will it be Travis Shaw, Luis Arias, or someone else? My prediction is that the Brewers will finish the season 89-73, and 73, second behind, in the division behind the Cardinals, and make the playoffs for the fourth straight year. All right. Thank you very much, Richard. Good job. What would you think? I, I wish that the Cubs did what the Brewers did in the offseason. I, <laughs> I was extremely jealous of Jackie Bradley and Colton Wong when, when the Cardinals said – kind of waved off Colton Wong. I was not surprised, but I thought that was a great option 
for for somebody in the division like the Cubs and the Brewers to be able to to add to an existing kind of core unit. Um, and, and I think the Brewers added one of the more consistent defensive players who is going to be able to change games for you. Um, I, I think that my my thought for the Brewers is how good can Josh Hader be? I know there's historically been some some distractions off the field with his history that that have been addressed. I really think this is, as we all know, Christian Yelich's team, and they're going to be as good as he can he can play this year. And I think he's going to have a comeback year um, for for being in the MVP consideration. Um, I think he's he's really going to step up, and the reason I think that is because last year they're there didn't seem to be too much of a move from the Brewers. And I think adding Jackie Bradley Jr. and Colton Wong and the styles of players really complements what the Brewers um, have been putting together over the last couple of weeks, um, albeit against a, a division with the Cubs in, in 15-16, um, kind of being a commanding leader and the Cardinals obviously always being hanging around. I think the brew. I like his uh, his assessment of the additions. Um, I I don't know what the rest of the infield is going to look like. Um, I, I think that might not make or break, but that could be the slight difference in whether they can keep up to win the division. Yeah, it's definitely as you mentioned the third base thing is will it be Luis Urias? Which it's so funny we always hear like 12 different pronunciations of that last name. <laughs> Everyone has a different one. They've got Jace Peterson in the mix, Travis Shaw. Now, the problem with the Brewers last year, Christian Yelich, he batted 205. It was down year, but again, it's only a 50-game stretch. Christian Yelich, over the last two years, when he was one year, he won the MVP. The 2019, he finished second in the MVP. Both those years, he got off to a little bit of a slow start, and he really heated up as the season went on. I'm not concerned at all about Christian Yelich. I think he's going to return to what we saw from him around 2018-2019. You're going to have peak production out of Christian Yelich. And the other thing last year, but Grant, is they had a lot of changing parts. They had a lot of guys move uh, and leave, and Lorenzo Cain ended up opting out of the year after about a dozen games he decided he wasn't going to play. It was, it was an uphill battle for the Brewers last year. It was also an uphill battle for the Cardinals. We'll talk about why in a short bit. But I, I really like the Brewers. I always do. I feel like they're just they're a very well-managed organization. Craig Council is one of the best managers in baseball. They bring in Wong. They bring in Jackie Bradley Jr. They have more than enough outfielders. And when you put... There are going to be times where you're going to have Lorenzo Cain and Jackie Bradley Jr., with Yelich out there, that is easily the best. Just uh, off the top of my head, that's easily the best defensive outfield in baseball. I, I am a huge, huge Lorenzo Kane fan, and, and I think that that kind of took the wind out of some some of the sales last year. Um, I, I'm glad you mentioned regarding Christian Yelich again. Same stretch. Um, I, I think that's that's less than a third of a, a normal season for these guys. And these guys go through slumps. So all signs for me are, are pointing towards Christian Yelich having 
kind of a back to his consistent self or perhaps even better to average it out over last season. Um, but, but Lorenzo Cain being a leader back on the team, uh, assuming he plays, of course, I know there's still issues with, uh, with COVID to, yeah. to be dealing with, but I, I think the, um, the question that I still have, though, is that infield and, and how good can their pitching staff be? And I feel like that I could easily say that about any baseball team is how good can their pitching staff be? Um, but I, I guess how good can their pitching staff be against um, against kind of subpar opponents um, in the rest of the division this year? Uh, you don't have too many uh, outstanding teams that are just going to hit home run after home run. Um, but it's if you have a slightly above average rotation like they do and a good option in in the bullpen, then you should be able to to get enough wins in the playoffs. I just don't know. I don't know if the 89 win total is is achievable for this team. Oh, I think it is achievable. I think that this team in terms of my wild card, so I've already given out in the National League West. I crowned the Dodgers my preseason NL West favorites to win that division. I gave the Padres the first wild card spot. So now between, do I want to give an NL Central team that wild card, or is it going to come out of the National League East, which is a gauntlet of a division? Probably going to go with the National League East, so stay tuned for which team I end up picking. I don't even know which one yet. <laughs> but I think the Brewers are going to be right there. I think the Brewers, they, I'm seriously considering giving them that second wild card spot. I think they can do it. In terms of their pitching, I really like Corbin Burns. Brandon Woodruff is another one. Of course, Woodruff is a guy who has uh, solidified himself in that rotation. But Burns and Devin Williams, those two guys last year were really good. And they're a couple of young bucks to keep an eye on this year. You mentioned Hayter. Uh, sometimes we've seen these relievers get overworked and start to break down, especially when they throw as hard as that guy does. So that's definitely one to keep an eye on. But I think they're pitching, the combination of their rotation and their bullpen, I think it should be good enough. I think they're going to be in the upper 80s in terms of wins. That's fair. I, I think I might be coming a little bit harsh just because I feel like the Brewers have been the little brother to the Cubs for – <laughs> for quite a while now um and so my bias is finally coming out uh, on on this show here but i i guess i i don't um i i don't know how i feel about their pitching staff so i lean towards the the lack yeah. of confidence um until i see yeah. something so do do i think that they could win the division yeah do i think that they could probably sneak in to the upper upper 80s yes but uh based off what I saw last year and kind of the, the awkwardness of the season for the Brewers. Um, I just don't, I'm not confident enough to, to really say they're going to be in the upper nineties. I do think they will. There's no doubt in my mind, they'll be above that 80 mark. Um, I think, I just feel like it might be closer to, to the 83 or mid eighties. Um, I know we're talking the difference yeah. of a few games here, but that's, that's a difference <laughs> at the end of the year. 100% it is, Grant. So you're taking the over on this club because their over-under is 82 and a half. I, I'm taking the over. I, I'm surprising myself here, but I'm taking the over. <laughs> no, I like this team. I think they can score runs. Another thing to keep an eye on with the Brewers, 
The Brewers have been a second-half team the last three years now. And last year, they were able to squeak into the playoffs. I think they played some good baseball down the stretch in order to get in. San Francisco ended up falling out of that spot. I think that the Brewers, in a 60-game season, when you're a second-half team, not, not a great uh, opportunity for you. But that's why we play a full 162. So we'll see what the Brewers are really made of this year. Like they're going to resemble more of their 2018, 2019 self than that of their 2020 self. That would be that would certainly make for a more exciting year and a more nervous Grant throughout the year as well. <laughs> they do have a former Cub in their infield. You know who that is? Oh, you're challenging me now. Uh, um, he's th- he played on another team or two before coming here, but he's on the Cubs. He was in there. Uh, he never actually sued up for the big league team, but the Cubs traded him when he was in the minors. And he Cubs traded him for a key piece of 2016. Infield? Infield, yeah. And he DH'd when he was in the American League. He hit a lot of homers and made an all-star team two years ago in Seattle. I don't know who that is. Dan Vogelbach. It wasn't hit. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess first baseman, he's never going to see the light of day with with Rizzo so he can (laughs) kind of disappear wow well good for him (laughs) (laughs) yeah he was he was definitely a trade chip for the Cubs and uh yeah if if there is some weird deal hopefully I'm hoping we don't get this and there's a DH spot in the National League this year I hate the DH doesn't belong in the National League at least I I hate in the National League I I shouldn't say I hate it overall because I love baseball but Vogelbach will probably be their DH if that's the case because he's he's built for that position, I should say. <laughs> hey, I'm I'm with you there. I'm not a DH guy, at least for the for the National League. Um, but I, I think it could create more opportunities for folks. So if if that's what the the silver lining is, then, then I guess I can can survive, but barely. All right, I'm gonna say seven wins for the Milwaukee Brewers this year. I think this one we're going to have a larger gap. I'm I'm sticking with 83 for the Milwaukee okay. Brewers. That's 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 not bad. Actually, I'm going to go. I'm going to say 80. Yeah, 87. I'll stick with 87. That's fair. All right. Now we're on to the favorite to win this division, the St. Louis Cardinals. Man, it's disappointing that I don't have someone that's a Cardinals fan that submitted something. I feel like. We need it for that uh, that top team in this division. It, they go out, they get Nolan Arenado. Last year, the Cardinals really, they were one of those teams that had some COVID situations, and they had a lot of games to make up in a short amount of time. It was a miracle that they were able to play all the games they needed to play, much less get into the postseason, much less come kind of close to winning a postseason series. They were up on the Padres, ended up blowing that, uh, I think for them, they were just happy to get to the playoffs. Really, again, last year, it's just it's hard to take too much from last year, at least in the 60-game season. You go back to 2019, however, the Cardinals won the division that season, and they went to the NLCS. So, can they get back to the NLCS, Grant? That's the question I should ask. You, you know, I, I think they can. Um I, I do think that when you you just consider the sole aspect of adding someone like Nolan Arenado to your team, yeah. um, 
again, a, a, another player like a Christian Yelich who has always got the the talent, um, the capabilities if they stay healthy, um, to be in that MVP conversation. If if you ever have somebody like that on your team, I guess unless you're Mike Trout, then you're probably making a big difference um, and you're able to pull your team up. And when you add somebody to the Cardinals like that, um, I I don't see how they really um, – it, to me, it's not just playoff or bust, but it should be probably NLCS or bust at this point for, for them, just yeah. considering what else is going on around the National League as well. Um, I mean, I I love the addition. The I, I, I know there were some Cubs fans that wanted Noah Arenado. I didn't see how that was ever going to work out um, unless we yeah. got rid of Chris Bryant. But I'm always scared of Andrew Miller. Um, that's, that's the Cardinal that... I, I know the Cubs um, and I know the, the other National League teams um, didn't have to deal with him when he was on the Indians that much. Um, but I think that is somebody who can really, really change the game for you. And, and it also, like, I'm probably my least favorite Major League player of all time, Yadier Molina. Um, I think he's the most, uh, the most overrated player. Uh, Whoa! He, yeah, we, we can go into that. Um, no, I'll but, save that for another time. <laughs> um, but, it, but he's still a good player. Um, I, I won't ever say that he's a bad player, but he's not going to lose your games because he's such a good defensive um, catcher as well. Um, so I, I do think that Carlos Martinez, uh, we just talked about this, not having a great spring training, um, but I think he's somebody who might have been dealing with an injury um, and looks uh, to be setting himself up for success along with just it seems like they they always have just a countless number of players that they can choose from, whether it's Rondon, Matt Serger, um, Sosa, and, and then being able to have Carpenter and, and then adding Nolan Arenado into that mix. It just seems like it's – it's too consistent to not just wreak havoc on this division this year. Yeah, and they have these guys you mentioned. It's like It's such an interesting pipeline here because they always have guys who are coming up through the pipeline. They have three top 100 prospects right now. We will see Dylan Carlson this year. Mm-hmm. He's, uh, he's a really nice young player. He's at the big league level already. He's a 13th rated prospect in all baseball right now. And then they always have like They've got the veteran guys such as Wainwright, who's been there for an eternity, it seems, and Molina. And they have like the intermediary guys of Paul DeYoung. Paul DeYoung, the best defensive shortstop. Maybe you want to debate that, um, but I would say he's the best defensive shortstop in the National League. And the other thing that's interesting with this team, Grant, they're always really good on the base pass. They're technically sound team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't make a lot of errors. They field the ball very cleanly. They run the base as well. But they they're not like a they're not like a star-studded team. At least they haven't been in the past. Yeah, I think the way I think about this is, and it's not a personnel com- comparison. It's it's a team culture comparison. I, I compare yeah. it to the Patriots, where you're <laughs> right. you're not going there to to have fun. You're going there to do your job and, and to win to win games and. I don't think they have a, a Tom Brady on their team that's really controlling all of that. But well, the Patriots don't either, Grant. That's true. That's true. <laughs> um, but I think that the historical, just the known culture of the team is 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 yeah. um, 
is well established. And I think it's ingrained into the Wainwrights and somebody like Paul Goldschmidt still easily could be an all-star. Um, oh, yeah, they can have easily. multiple all-stars on that team. And I think they're they're setting themselves up for success. Now the question is, will their bats be there? Right. And I don't want to take too much into account for last year. I I, I don't want to discount it either, but man, they they were were not great. They struck out a lot, weren't hitting a lot of home runs, and, and that's kind of a deathly combo. Yeah. Um, usually if if you're striking out a lot but you're hitting home runs, you can kind of sneak by, but it's a little bit of a one-two punch. So if they can manage to, to balance that out, which I'm sure they will um, with Arenado and them, um, that's, that's pretty scary one through nine to, to have to deal with. Yeah, and – you mentioned Goldschmidt. I have to think that this is the best defensive infield in baseball between Goldschmidt, DeYoung, and Arenado. And then I think it's also the best defensive less side of the infield in baseball with Arenado and DeYoung. They're going to gobble up everything that's hit to them. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good defensive team, Grant. Yeah, and, and that, that goes back to what I was thinking. It's it's the fundamentals, right? It's yeah. the defense win championships, and you don't always hear that in baseball, but it's just as true as any other sport. Yeah, 100% Grant. And uh, one other guy I'm curious to see what we get out of this year, Harrison Bader. He's a guy that a couple years ago, they're all of a sudden – I don't. Do you remember when there was all that Madden Bader? It was like around 2018, 2019, where people were saying this could be the Mike Trout of the National League. Do you remember that, Grant? I I do, and yeah. I I I didn't buy into it too much, but <laughs> I mean, it's it's always exciting when you hear something like that. But it's it's a wait and see kind of feeling, I guess. Yeah. Now Harrison Bader is a great base runner. He's very fast, and he's a great defensive center fielder. So there's Already, I mean, if you are an elite defensive center fielder, at least you play center field very well, like Jackie Bradley Jr., you don't need to hit. I mean, that's that's a valuable piece to have, a guy who plays center at a high level. That's really important. Now, I am curious, though, because if they could have another bat, if he could emerge or at least be a semblance of what people were maybe expecting him to break out and become offensively, in 2018... He had 264 batting average. He's never had a high OBP, but 264, hey, that's all right. That's pretty good. Now, 2019, he drops to 205. Last year, 226. Have to think he's a lo- not a very high, yeah, he's not a very high OPS guy for that matter either. So, Harrison Bader, definitely a guy that if he were to maybe turn a corner here, that would definitely be uh, give them a big jolt. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's. Seems to be the theme here for for this division is um, so the Cardinals will be fine regardless of Harrison Bader has a good year or not. Um, but these other teams are really relying on the Harrison Bader type players to step up, and if he does, the Cardinals are going to run away with this even more so. Yeah, I think if they can get whether if it's Dylan Carlson or Bader or someone, they can have another guy emerge and hit. If Carlson is a star. Now you can look at the Cardinals potentially being up there with the Dodgers, the Braves, and the Padres. And that's mm-hmm. that's I think the key is they need they need that breakout, probably one offensive guy and probably one pitcher for that matter too. Yeah. I that I think you said it perfectly. I agree. 
So pitching rotation is really good. Jack Flaherty was incredible in 2019. Uh, last year, not quite the same. Hopefully we see the same Jack Flaherty. I like him a lot. He's a, a terrific pitcher. Miles Michaelis, is, uh, <laughs> you just look at his baseball card and you think this this baseball card, if I had his baseball card, I should say, Grant, I would think it was from the 70s. I would not think it was a new baseball card. <laughs> <laughs> With that mustache. That is fair. It's a fair assessment. <laughs> he doesn't look like a modern-day player, but I like that. Adam Wainwright still hanging around, and then you could see a combination of Quang Hoon Kim, Daniel Ponce de Leon. He's a guy I like. He's a good story. Still pretty young. Carlos Martinez, as you mentioned, and Alex Reyes, who's been... I feel like Alex Reyes has been in the pipeline for a long time. He's had some arm problems, but... There was a time where we were talking about Alex Reyes could be, you know, a number one. He could be that Flaherty type guy. Be curious to see what we get out of him this year. He, he's kind of like the offensive baiter, I would say. Or the, yeah. the pitching baiter, I should say. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think pitching is such an interesting thing these days um, in the major leagues because you, you've seen resurrections of careers happen left and right. Um, and, and I think that doesn't have to always happen after eight years of being in the league. It could happen after struggling for a year or two and, and you reinvent part of your, your motion or you add a new pitch and it could really change, um, change the game. Yeah. I think the big loss being Dakota Hudson needing to have Tommy John, he's been a really good pitcher with a career ERA of three, one seven over the last couple of years, uh, two, three years. He's been really good. That's a piece they're going to miss. So you got to find a way to replace Hudson. And maybe they do it at the trade deadline if one of these guys doesn't step up. Maybe they add another arm or two. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see the Cardinals make some moves um, later in the season, assuming they're going to be right there with it, um, depending on what what injuries they may or may not have and, and what else they're, they're going to be noticing throughout the year. Yeah, so... St. Louis Cardinals, 86 and a half, Grant. What do you think? I'm going, I'm going above. I, I'm, I'm struggling to do this, but I, I, want, <laughs> I, I want to keep them as close to 90 as possible, but I'm going to say 91 wins. I'll go 92 wins. I think, yeah, they're right over that hump. Uh, actually, I'll go 93. So they were 91 two years ago. Um yeah, I think they win this division, and Milwaukee, I think, is the team that's closest to them. I think it'll be between those two teams, and as I have it right now, I got St. Louis at 93, Milwaukee at 87. I feel like that gap, though, should be a little closer between those two teams, so maybe I'll knock St. Louis down to 91 as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd be surprised if that's closer. I think Milwaukee uh, could... That Milwaukee has a chance to win this division. Milwaukee is a good team. I think those two teams should be pretty close entering the month of September and maybe see Cardinals start to pull away with it towards that. Hey, you're, Similar to how they did it with the Cubs a couple years ago. Yeah. You're, I mean, you're allowed to make these changes up until, until opening day. So whatever you want to do, <laughs> any amendments, I'm okay with as long as it doesn't happen um, after the first pitch. I'm glad I got your permission to do whatever I want on my own <laughs> podcast, Grant. So You're you welcome. Anytime much. you need that, you, you have my phone number. You can call me in. <laughs> you set the ground rules for the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Now our team here, and we'll try not to go too long on this squad because I'm going to need to eat dinner and I got some work to do tonight, but <laughs> we have to talk about the Chicago Cubs and we've got a lot to talk about with the Chicago Cubs. So we'll do the best that we can. Let me play our Chicago Cubs clip. Okay. This is coming from Jamie Hill. Jamie is a big time Cubs fan. Actually, Jamie's a good friend of mine, and he's been on this show before. So Jamie is already ahead of these other people that submitted their stuff because Jamie's been on the show. And I stood up in Jamie's wedding, too. So Nice. Yeah. So Jamie, he heard, he sent an email. I said, you're you're in. Okay, here we go, Jamie Hill. What's up, Jack Vita Show? This is Jamie Hill bringing you a breakdown of the 2021 Cubs. This is a team with a lot of variance and outcomes. If they everything breaks right, they could be a 90-win team. If things crash and burn, they could be a 70-win team. Now, a lot of the rotation flipped over this year. They lost John Lester, Tyler Chatwood, and Jose Quintana to free agency, as well as trading you Darvish for Zach Davies and a bucket of baseballs. Zach Davies is a great pitcher, very underrated. Flutton is a solid number two behind staff ace Kyle Hendricks. Now, in the three spot, they have Jake Arrieta. He won't be as good as 2015-16 Jake Arrieta, but if they get something better than he gave them in Philly, they'll be pretty happy with that. The back end of the rotation is comprised of some combination of Trevor Williams, Cole Stewart, Alec Mills, or Albert Alzali. Not great, but there is some upside. Craig Kimbrell was great at the end of last season, so the Cubs are hoping for more of that. But if the record holds, um, he won't be too great as he's been pretty bad as a Cub. As far as the hitters go, uh, the Cubs are really looking for resurgences from Javi Baez and Chris Bryant, who had bad seasons last year. And they replaced Kyle Schwarber with Jack Peterson, who was essentially exactly the same player, just a slightly better defender. The odds in Vegas have this team at 79 and a half wins. I'll take a slight over, predicting them to be 81 and 81. And finish second in the division, missing the playoffs behind the Barf St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> now, fun fact about Jamie Grant, he actually married a Cardinals fan. I don't I don't understand how that happens, but <laughs> it was like Romeo and Juliet. It was it was pretty amazing. It was it's a great wedding. Shout out to Jamie. Shout out to Emma. And I think you'd really like Jamie. I hopefully you liked his clip, but Grant, Jamie was uh he was a swimmer. He uh, swam at Carthage. Yeah, nice. I knew I knew a couple, couple uh, fellow high school teammates and club teammates that swam there. I'll have to connect with them. Yeah, yeah. And he's a Cubs fan. Well, that's all that matters. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> you know, I agree with his assessment. I think there's just like last year. It seems like is the common excuse of oh, it was a tough season. People are going to come back and do well. Um, I think. I think last summer we talked a little bit or a lot a bit about Javi Baez. Um, I I still think he he can be that that spark. Um, I think he's more of a spark for the fans and the morale. Um, and I, I agree with you. I think earlier you said um, that somebody else is the best shortstop or defensive shortstop. I think you said DeYoung. Um, and I don't know if it's DeYoung, um, but I I know it's not. It, it, it's not Javi. Javi is the, probably the flashiest player. I'll give him that. Yeah, he's the most exciting guy to watch defensively. Yeah, it, no doubt. Because he's 100 miles an hour on every single play. Yeah, and, it's like, and that hurts him. Great highlight package. It, it hurts him. Um, it helps him, but it, it hurts him every now and then. I, I think this team goes um, where Jake Arrieta goes. And I say this 
because I think Jake Arrieta is a Chicago Cub, even when he wasn't on the Cubs. Um, I think he knew he wanted to come back. Um, somebody that revitalized their career with the Cubs years ago. Um, and I think he's looking to get some of that magic back. Do I think he's going to get all of it? Absolutely not. Um, do I think he's going to be a great mentor for the other young Cubs pitchers like um, Albert Alzale? Yes. I, I think we've already seen him um, on a lot of updates through spring training, just spending more time with them, um, which is, I think probably the more strategic version behind bringing him back um, besides just having him on the team. Um, A a huge question mark throughout um, every Cubs fans head though, is how, how valuable is Chris Bryant to the Chicago Cubs team, former MVP, right? Um, I I think being, being as good as he was when we won the world series and then seeming to drop off a lot. um, It doesn't seem like many people see him, to, to be as valuable as what we used to think he was. And, and I think this team needs him to do well. Um, but I think it's going to be dependent on, on the, the offense for him. He, he has, he's a very solid defender, but I think it's, we, we need him for his bat. And I just don't, I don't know if I see that happening this year from, from Chris. It sort of feels like the relationship between Chris Bryant and the city of Chicago has gone south. And this has been brewing over the last few years. And I don't really think it's Chris Bryant's fault to a certain degree. I think that there's a weird thing that started to happen with, first of all, I I don't think the Cubs have properly uh, managed Chris Bryant the way that they should. I don't think he's a utility player. I don't think he's a leadoff hitter. I think you put him at third base, he bats third every day. He's going to hit better than what we've seen, at least what we saw last year. That's number one. Number two, it's been amazing to see this fan base just really turn on Chris Bryant. I thought for certain Chris Bryant 2016 wins the MVP, wins the World Series, records the final out of the World Series. I thought he should have been Sportsman of the Year that year. It was like he... he was perfect. He was everything. And he's a great guy. He's such a nice dude. He doesn't have that like mean edge to him. He's just a nice, like laid back West Coast type guy. So for this thing to just kind of turn on him, and there are a lot of people who just started to kind of I mean, there've been there's been a crowd that's wanted to trade him for a few years now. It's been something that's been going on for a while. People were concerned about if he'd ever resign because of the Boris stuff that started out in 2015 before he even played a game. I think there are a lot of contributing factors to what's going on with Chris Bryant, but I think at this point, I think Chris Bryant's going to get traded this year. That's my prediction, Grant. You know, I, I've i been wavering on the camp I'm in, whether we should trade him or, or we shouldn't. And, and I think if we're going to continue to use him as you perfectly, um, perfectly described it, He's not a utility player and we're treating him as such. I think most MLB third basemen have the talent and the athleticism to go play in left field to play second base. But being able to show uh, an MVP caliber player that consistency and the trust to bat third and be in the same position day in and day out establishes that. And I think that's kind of grown into something that affected um, how fans see him. Um, and, and I think that affected his play. 
um, to be honest. And he talked about that on another podcast um, about not not having as yeah. much fun. And I, I do think the Cubs are somewhat responsible for that. Um, so, so would I be surprised if there was a trade? Absolutely not. Um, I, I don't know. It makes me nervous not having the same, the same general management leadership um, anymore of how much we could actually get for him um, and, and where he would best fit. Um, but I, I, I think when I, when I look at Chris Bryant and when I look at what he's done for the Cubs, it's undeniable that he should go down as one of the best third basemen for the Cubs ever. Right. It's he, he didn't make many mistakes. He was put in a really awkward position with his contract and um, the city and not being brought up or being brought up just in time um, for financial gain for the Cubs. And so that's, that's a whole another hour long conversation, but there's, <laughs> there's so much history um, that's kind of murky with him. And I, I think it's been distracting for him and it's tough to see that with a team that could have won the world series in 2015 or 2017. And if we think 2018, um, we got lucky last year. We just went on a hot streak. We had no business being in the playoffs after losing to the Marlins. I think that was obvious. But my eye this year, besides being on Javi Baez, who I think will get an extension with the Cub, who said he wants to be a Cub for life, I think the Cubs are going to decide to keep him instead of Chris. My, my eye is also going to be closely on the David Bodies, Nico Horners, um, and, and Ian Haps, the, the ones that have been – kind of named they've had their big moments um, but haven't solidified themselves as uh, a real asset to the team that's untradeable. Um, so so I want to see who emerges and it seems like this is the theme. How good can the young players be? Because um, I, I feel like we know what we're going to get with the older veterans in this division and the same goes for the Cubs. Grant, you hit on so many different things that I want to discuss here. So let's <laughs> rewind a little bit. Uh, good job, by the way. Okay, Albert Destrade, who he's been on this show a couple times. He knows a lot about baseball. He'll be joining me for the NL East preview. He's a Braves fan. Now, he pitched this idea of a trade for Chris Bryant because the Braves are trying to figure out they might need another bat in their lineup if they want to really get past the Dodgers and they've been kind of waiting and they haven't made that big move yet. Chris Bryant would be a huge move for the Braves. He suggested Austin Riley, Bryce Wilson, Tukey Toussaint, and a lower tier minor league arm for Chris Bryant. And that's only, you're talking about maybe one year, half a year for Chris Bryant. Cause he's going to leave you anyway. You're not going to get anything back. What do you think about that package? You know, it's. I, I would have to look closer at the contracts to be honest with you. Um, well, all I, those guys are young guys; they're still on yeah. that rookie deal. Yeah, I, I think I think the, the Cubs would likely take that in in the pure fact that it would probably be a financial move for them. Um, and if they get lucky on one of those young guys and can can get them into um, into the mix successfully. Um, I don't see a reason why the Cubs wouldn't make that. And Chris Bryant should be excited about kind of reestablishing himself in the league as a, as a champion, as an MVP caliber candidate that can make that difference for, um, 
a team positioning themselves for a World Series. All right. And now I I think, too, I agree with you on that. Moving on, I have two bold predictions for this team. One's good, one's bad. You mentioned Baez. Javi Baez will have an OBP lower than 300, which isn't too bold of a prediction because he's done it his whole career. He's been a career 296 OBP. But, uh, yeah, that's that's one of my bold predictions. I think that Baez problem with him right now is just he hasn't been able to show that he draws walks and he takes pitches if he if he had that in his game he would be pitched to entirely different but when especially last year where he didn't have anyone hitting behind him he was like that main attraction guy I don't think he's a main attraction guy I think he's a good complimentary piece yeah you know I gotta agree with your assessment on hobby um I think his his flashiness and his ability to execute when he is being flashy, to be fair, um, is not causing many errors, but yeah, he, he's had 25 plate appearances in spring training. And I feel like the spring training dogs are coming at my heels for talking about spring training, but he's had no <laughs> walks. Right. And you got to believe that pitchers are still trying to find their stuff in spring training. So to not even have a, a wild pitch walk or, a hit by pitch or something like that. Like it's, it's uh, the classic. He plays like a little kid swinging <laughs> for the fences. Yeah. And, and I think I, I was hoping for a change in that. And I think he's gotten more control, but it's who he is and it's how he plays the game. And I think you're right. I, I don't see that changing. I think strikeouts going to be high. Um, but hopefully, like I said, for the Cardinals, the, the home runs and his ability to take, do things with runners on base um, can be important. He will never be a leadoff hitter. All right. My next bold prediction, my other one, I should say, this is a positive one, and this will lead us into another conversation. Now, Jamie mentioned, uh, Jamie didn't sound too fond of that U Darvish trade. My bold prediction is that Zach Davies will finish 2021 with more innings pitched and a lower ERA than Darvish. He's actually had a lower ERA cumulatively than Darvish over the last two years, and over the la- if you want to go on an even bigger sample size, over the last four years. Zach Davies, age 27, entering the prime of his career, I actually think that was a great trade for the Cubs. His, his whip is barely above one, right? For his, yeah. like, that. That is, to me, what I look at. And, and then you factor in the ERA for his career. And I think something where you're looking at somebody who's uh, – I feel like the the stats guys are going to get on me if I bring too much of this up, but his <laughs> wins above replacement, right, almost at 10. Like that, If you get a pitcher who can be consistent, not put many guys on base – and come out of the game in the seventh inning and you're, you've only let up maybe a run or two, that's exactly what the Cubs need. And I, I, I think in terms of pitching, that's where everybody's question mark is for the Cubs. And that's not where my question mark is, really. Yeah. It's, it, I, I don't see the, um, the issue starting there, especially with Zach Davies being your second option after a Kyle Hendricks. Now, I... I think that the issues start coming when you look at, okay, is Jake Arrieta having a bad year? Then what's happening with Trevor Williams and whoever else gets added to the rotation. But to have two solid 
solid pitchers, in my opinion, in, in Hendricks and Davies as your one-two, then it, it's not as bad as I think some people are making it seem. Yeah, in terms of rotation, I actually really like the rotation. Now, it's not it's not a great one, but we could talk about what the Cubs lost from their staff last year. They lost a Cy Young caliber pitcher from last year. Darvish was not that. The previous two years, he's now in his mid-30s. He's had Tommy John. He threw a lot of pitches in Japan before coming over here. He's owed a lot of money. So I think this is a great cost-effective move. I think Davies is going to outperform Darvish this year. If he doesn't, I think they're going to be eerily similar as their numbers have been very similar over the last four years. Darvish is a bigger name. He has better stuff. Uh, He's more electrifying, but Davies has been really consistent. And so I actually like the Davies pickup. You've got potentially three guys in this rotation that barely throw 90 miles an hour with (laughs) Hendricks and Alec Mills, who threw a new hitter last year. So I'm excited to watch how that plays out. What if the Cubs are onto some new trend here, an analytical trend of, hey, everyone's talking about strikeouts right now, but we're about getting guys out and pitching to contact, and we can get guys out. I think that top three, uh, at least you do have two really good guys at the top of the rotation. Mills, and it, it does get a little murky after that between Mills, Williams, and Arietta. But, I mean, you're talking about what they lost from last year. They lost John Lester, who I know a lot of people wanted to bring him back, and he was a great guy to have was not the same pitcher last year. I think Arietta is a lot more interesting than Lester is. I think Arietta is more interesting than Chatwood and Quintana didn't even pitch last year. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the rotation. Um, I, I think I haven't even mentioned his name, but my personal favorite player, Anthony Rizzo, I, I think we know where we're going to get out of him. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, this is where my bias starts to come out on this team. But I think having a manager like David Ross to handle the times where you're not the elite talented team you once were when you were winning the world series. Um, But they still, for the most part, have the main core of those guys that I looked at um, beyond the pitchers, of course. Yeah. The, the batting is still there. And that's the big concern. As you mentioned, David Ross, I will give him a lot of credit because that was a hire that I wasn't particularly high on. It really felt like these guys got up to play for him last year. It seemed like they wanted to win for David Ross. Madden had lost that by the end of 2019. It wasn't there anymore. There's excitement. There's energy. The batting order, as you mentioned, it is the same story from what we've seen. Now, it's like, okay, if Contreras comes back to what he's been, which I actually really like Contreras a lot. I think Contreras is a very mature hitter. I like him a lot. If Baez can come back, if Bryant can come back, and then now you're throwing in Jock Peterson into that Schwarber spot of we were talking about Schwarber for so long. I like that pickup, though, by the way. Then you've got... As you mentioned, this crew of Hap and Bodie and Horner that I don't, I'm not really high on any of those guys. Maybe Horner. I like Horner a little bit, but I think they may have rushed him up. I mean, everything you're saying, it's, it's, it's funny. I agree with pretty much everything. I, Kyle Schwarber is meant to be a designated hitter in the American League, in my opinion. Yet he signed with a National League team. And that was very surprising <laughs> to me. Um, yeah. I think having someone like Jock Peterson who knows what winning looks like. Um, and being able to put him in the rotation, or excuse me, in the um, the lineup for 
it's still confusing like where where we put these guys and i think the the most glaring thing for me is who who bats leadoff we haven't had a leadoff hitter in the last four years like it's and i think to me leadoff hitters need to be able to look at the pitches and get on base and it's we cubs fans have fun and i know the social media accounts make fun of chris bryant leading off and rizzo leading off but that's an issue there's other teams that are yeah. looking at that and saying, okay, we pretty much get to go to the second better and we don't really need to be worried. Um, or even if Chris Bryant comes up, there's likely not going to be anybody on base, um, which runners on base, that's the name of the game. Yeah. It's been tough for the Cubs. The Cubs have historically been home run hitting teams and Contreras can knock one out. Rizzo and Bryant and Javi, they can all knock them out. But who are we putting around them to get on base to get more than one run? We haven't even mentioned perhaps the worst contract in Chicago history, Jason Hayward. <laughs> that, that contract bought us a, a championship point of view. Um, but yeah, it's, it was an expensive speech, it was, but it was worth paying for. It was the most expensive pe- speech is, is for sure. I think I, think I, I struggle <laughs> with that, and a lot of people struggle with that in Chicago just because what we were promised is so different than what we were getting. And I think we were used to trying to put these pieces together. And then finally we got this stud outfielder who, um, who was going to make a difference. And he, when you see the, the facts of the matter is that he's changing his batting stance. He can't figure it out. It's just, you, you hope for the best, but it just never seems to come to fruition. Um, it's, it's kind of like a Ben Simmons three pointer, you know, the talent's (laughs) there, but what are you going to do? It's kind of, you just, maybe you just focus on defense and the stuff you're good at, but for Hayward, it's, it's half of his game. Yeah. is a big question mark. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think Hap's particularly good in center field defensively. I do like Peterson. I'd rather, I feel more comfortable with Peterson in center than Hap to tell the truth. I think. Peterson is a, an upgrade over Schwarber defensively. He's an upgrade on the base pass, as you mentioned. He's just more of a baseball player, well-rounded baseball player. I think at his worst, I think worst-case scenario, you're looking at, and this is an overgeneralization, so take it with a grain of salt. You're you're looking at another, essentially what you had a Schwarber last couple years. That's what you're looking at with Jock Peterson. But Jock Peterson was a platoon player in L.A. for the last few years. And yeah. when he came up as a rookie, he was setting the league on fire. He was playing great. And he's a guy, now you give him at-bats against uh, left-handed pitchers. you going to get a lot more at-bats. You're taking a flyer on the guy. In my opinion, Grant, I think this was, here's another bold take that a lot of people are probably not going to agree with. I think this was the best winner best offseason the Cubs have had uh since I'll say since they won the World Series I think since then they've been kind of like all right let's just keep running it back and we'll we'll pay an expensive steep price for some of these guys that can plug in and fill holes and it didn't work and then it seemed like maybe there isn't much direction you know I was just gonna say it sounds like any move at this point was a good move um financially moving things around and getting new life into this yeah, team. I, I agree things. with you. Yeah. yeah. And so now it's like there is some type of a plan. The plan is rebuild. Uh, we're probably not. I think that if this whole team were to stay intact, they're going to smash the 79 and a half. I think you're looking at somewhere between 80 to 80, 
eight wins, really. I think they could win that many games. Realistically, I'd probably have them at 84 if they kept the whole team intact. I think they'd be an average of those two parts. Like 84 wins is where they'll be if they kept the whole team together, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think that you're looking at something similar to what happened when Theo and Jed showed up in 2012, where they brought in these guys like a Zach Davies, like a Jock Peterson, kick the tires on them. Trevor Williams, another guy. Hey, you get something out of them. Maybe you flip them and you get that next Jake Arrieta type trade where you get those pieces that can, uh, or Addison Russell, those types of players in that at the trade deadline. Yeah. I, I, I think this is where our, foundation of thought starts to stray i i think with the david ross um and cubs fans being back i i think that's one of the biggest differences um that that the cubs players have is is fans at wrigley and and a lot of uh stadiums have this i do think it's a little bit different um, with just how you hear players talk about playing at wrigley field but i think that there's uh, an additional spark this year i think because they made some changes um, and bringing guys like Jake Arrieta back, having David Ross as a manager, um, still having Rizzo, Baez um, around and Hayward around. I, I, I see them. I do think they're capable of winning the division, as I always do. But realistically, I think they're going to come in second and li- likely be closer to 85 wins. I, I'm surprised at the 79 and a half just because of our analysis for the other um, teams in the division. I think that's pretty low for them. And I, I think they're going to struggle. I don't see the team, the second place team in this division winning the wild card. Um, so I'm going to stick with 85 for them. Okay. Beating, beating the Brewers. So you're not expecting them to sell off parts at the deadline. <laughs> I'm not. I and part of the reason I'm not is because I think um, Hoyer taking over the team is he's making moves to acquire. I think we still. It's almost like we need to wait throughout this whole year to see what the Cubs really are. Um, and if the Cubs really are bad, then and I'm completely wrong, then I wouldn't <laughs> be surprised. But if the Cubs are in third place by by June and it's their four games out. I, I think they stay intact and try to get, get Rizzo and Chris Bryant another championship. Although I don't think it's actually going to happen. Yeah. It'll really depend on where they're at around June, July, and it's going to be difficult to signal rebuild to this fan base at this time. So if you're floating around 500, I guess it depends on how far out the Cardinals are. If the Cardinals are, not far, then you're probably going to keep this whole team intact, and then you're probably going to see that 84-85 wins, which would be within shouting distance of the Cardinals, I guess. But if this thing isn't particularly close, which I guess <laughs> out of any division, you'd say, like, if you're in the NLS, you'd say, oh, yeah, they're going to be 10 games back of the Dodgers by June because the Dodgers are going to be kicking butt. It's going to be, it'll be interesting, but I do think that Something I also want to mention about this Cubs team. So I've been reading Tom Verducci's book Mm. uh, about the Cubs. Have you read that, Grant? I haven't yet. Highly recommend it. You'll love it. One of the things that was real interesting is they talk about Theo leaving Boston. And one of the things they talk about is how Theo reflects on the end of his time in Boston. He's like, you know what? 
I need a new challenge. I didn't want to stay in the same place my whole life. Um, I wanted to take on something new. He just got bored. And one of the things he said was that I got lazy. He said, I, the big thing for me early on, it's always finding those guys that are overlooked, that are cost effective. So similar to Moneyball, similar to what Tampa Bay Rays do. And he, he said, you know what? I, I copped out by signing Carl Crawford. And uh, there were some other bad contracts, too, that he had in Boston, where he said it was just lazy. I could have found better options that would have we could have saved money, which would have kept money on the table for us to get better, similar to how the Cardinals had that money available for Arna when Arnado became available. Instead, they got hamstrung by those bad contracts and couldn't really do a whole lot, and they crashed and burned. I think it was pretty similar to what happened with the Cubs over the last few years. Instead of, or, hey, early on, he was going out, he was getting the Arietta-type guys. He was getting Kyle Hendricks. No one was looking at Kyle Hendricks. And instead, he said, oh, well, I'll just spend that big money on Darvish. And that didn't work. He kind of stood pat. And so I think that getting some new blood in the in the executive suite, I think that's great for the Cubs. And I really like what Hoyer did this winter. <laughs> Yeah, I think he shocked some people, to be honest. I think we, we all thought he was going to kind of um, take some time and, and take a step back and assess because those are the, the biggest shoes to fill in Cubs history in terms of a GM perspective, right? So um, I'm glad that that he made moves. Um, it's, it's going to be a really interesting division race this year. Um, I think more – more interesting if you're a fan of the division um and certainly i think there's going to be probably people bashing um the lack of, of talent and potential for a deep run in the playoff but i think it'll be fun to see um to see the brewers to me it's it's kind of who, who's going to come in second the brewers or the cubs um and are, are the pirates going to be that bad <laughs> well one other thing about the cubs their bullpen does not look good. <laughs> I don't think this bullpen's True. going to be good at all. True. I we didn't even talk about Kimbrel. I think that's that was one of the most bizarre things I've seen. Um, I, I know people get figured out, especially if you're a closer. Um, it, that's one of the most amazing things about Mariano Rivera. I think that <laughs> right. goes overlooked by by casual baseball fans. But this is it's nerve-wracking to say the least and maybe that's where most people who are analyzing the rotation are saying well your rotation might be okay but there's no one there to, to confidently finish games off and, and that's been a problem for the cubs for a little bit um so i don't know if uh if that'll change much yeah i i don't really see it changing much and i personally i shouldn't say the writing was on the wall because we didn't know that Kimbrell was going to pitch as poorly as he has over the last two years, but there were signs at the end of the Boston thing. I actually thought that the Cubs were making a mistake by signing him. I thought that if they were to sign him, sign him to a one-year deal rather than a three-year deal. In Boston, he really, towards the end of that, was not the same guy anymore, and I don't think we're ever going to see that again. And that's a potentially a Hall of Fame player that we're talking about. Yeah, it's it's bizarre seeing those changes um, happen to someone like a Kimbrel. Um, 
but we'll, we'll see. I mean, it, you never know again with new team, um, kind of revitalization as a beat, but doubt it in this case. Yeah. Always hopeful. Uh, anything else that you're watching for with this team? They do have a couple of top 100 prospects that we should see this summer. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. I, I, I think I still, I still am a little bit concerned, um, about like the Ian Happ and Bodie and, and yeah and Horner, um, just because those guys were kind of in the similar situation. Um, but I do think there there's a, a pitcher that that we drafted who, who can uh, who was it? Um, Braylon Marquez. Yep. Um, and then being able to look at guys like Brennan Davis, um, who who might be more of those utility type players that they can be. Um, more effective i just i'm i'm not sure like we we've got ed howard um who i think is from chicago um if i'm not mistaken too so being able to include somebody like that those are the types of of players i think the fans really look forward to and we haven't had that since chris bryant right a really young guy like we know who david Bodie is and ian happ but they kind of have their their moments um but yeah if, if we can pull in a Chicago guy like Ed Howard and, and really get him up to speed and put him in the infield if we trade Chris Bryant. Um, but I've no, Ed been... Howard's not coming up this year. He, yeah, that's true. Grant, Ed Howard, he played his junior year of high school. He didn't even play his senior year of high school because of COVID. So he hasn't played. He's a long way off. He I hope it works out with off. him. That's true. Long way off. But no, Braylon Marquez, he's coming up. We'll see him. Uh, left-handed pitcher, number 60 in all baseball. And I know you didn't love that the Cubs shopped and they dealt Victor Caratini, but there's now a spot for Miguel Amaya to... He's He should show up this summer. He's in double-A at this time, number 89 prospect in all baseball. He's been an interesting catcher that's been on the radar for a few years. Amaya, maybe he gets a little bit of run and we see, hey, if this guy's really good and then... Contreras becomes shoppable with uh, with the rebuild, I guess. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's going to be interesting. I think there was a lot of trade rumors with Contreras that I was seeing um, uh, on the internet and, and blogs, and and that one that one was interesting to me because I feel like the what you've seen in so many teams like Yachty or Molina or historically Padre Rodriguez, like Jorge Posada, those those guys are are kind of like the, the tough defensemen in hockey. They, they set the tone for the team and they really lead from behind the plate. Um, and, and I think Wilson Contreras has been that for the Cubs for a while, even when he was trading off positions with, with Caratini and David Ross, when he was still playing and catching for Lester. But I'm, I'm interested to see um, Abra Alzale too. I know when he first yeah. came up, he struggled. He kind of got rocked um, a little bit. Yeah. But the the fact that he's still in the mix shows me that there's something there that the Cubs like. Um, so curious to see that. Yeah. Well said, Grant. I feel like we talked about everything we could talk about in a short amount of time, for that matter. We could go all day talking Cubs. I think we covered every base, every angle. I, I agree. So how many wins? You got 84, 85? You know, I... I was flirting 84, 85. I think I'm going to go 85. Um, so it's it's more than a one-game win over the Brewers for second. I, I feel not great about it, though. Um, 
I think this is the biggest question mark team for me in this division. I am going with under. I'm going to say 76. I think the rebuild begins, and maybe it isn't a total where they move everybody. I don't expect it to be that, but I, I would... I shouldn't say expect it, but I have a good feeling that Chris Bryan is traded this year. And I have to think they're going to move somebody because they're not going to be able to keep everybody. If you realize you can't win the World Series this year, I know there's great value to keeping guys, but they're going to be pricey. You, you got to re-sign Rizzo. You're going to have to re-sign Baez. I don't think you're going to re-sign Chris Bryant in addition to those two guys. I think Chris Bryant is the odd man out. I think we see him get traded this summer. I think that's fair. I think if that happens, then I agree with your your 76 there. Yeah, I think then you start to see, okay, Peterson, Davies, Williams, Arietta. I think all those guys could be potential trade chips where they go to that model of the Scott Feldmans and the Paul Mahomes and the all of those guys, Jason Hamill, those type of guys that they – it's a brilliant move for a rebuild, to tell the truth. You pick up guys who have been undervalued, you get something out of them, and you sell them to a team when they really need that piece. Yeah, it's a, it's about timing then. You better sell it at the right time if they're going to do that, um, yeah. or else you could really be in trouble. All right, Grant, we did it. We covered the NL Central. So coming up on the show, I'll be doing the... I still got NL East. That'll be next week, and then... The following week of opening day, the AL Central with the Chicago White Sox, Grant. Man, I hope we can win those series. That'd be sweet victory if the season's <laughs> not going as it should. All right, Grant. This was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for joining me. Would you like to throw out your social media handle or anything of that nature? Anything you want to plug while you're here? Yeah. Um, kind of just to put it on the radar, I'm starting a blog of myself. It's called Side C Reviews. No content just yet, but Let's keep go. it on your radar. What are you going to write gonna about? Be doing, you know, I'm going to be writing in, in not just reviewing, but reflecting on music. Going to be talking about albums, news, um, recommendations that come to me from, from folks. So I'll definitely keep you in the loop. Maybe uh, maybe have some some podcasts to it haven't haven't gotten too far on it but side c reviews be on the lookout for that soon um sweet and better talk some reliant k on there oh absolutely it's <laughs> been a struggle to figure out which one um to start with there but um how about bird and the b-sides yeah, that, that, I, I'm putting together a whole list of albums. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying not to just do albums, though. I'm trying to do songs, yeah. trying to do um, artist history, um, things like that. But also Venmo, Grantman16, if you guys are feeling generous. <laughs> um, but but yeah, that's, that's really it for me. Bird and the B-Sides, I think, is such a good underrated EP. It's got like 24 tracks on it. I listen to it all the time. I don't know if you've listened through that one before, but it, oh, yes. I think that would be a great one to write about because it's underrated. A lot of people don't know about it. It's um, it's one of those that I think people think they know Reliant K as like the one-hit wonder. Um, yeah. But I think the my favorite song off that one is uh, The Lining of Silver. I think oh, that's let's a, go. That's you answered correctly. Let's go. Same. That's a classic. <laughs> it is a classic. All right, Grant. Everyone, check out Grant's content. Follow along so when he launches his blog, you'll be in the loop about that. 
Grant, we'll have to do this again sometime this summer, talk some baseball. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, Go Cubs. All right. So that concludes my conversation with Grant Smith. A lot of fun going NL Central today. We did run a little long, but we had a lot to talk about with the Cubs. Uh, I hope you guys all enjoyed this episode coming up on the show. As I mentioned, we got the NL East next week. We got the AL Central coming up in a couple weeks. We got a lot of college basketball. I'll be recapping the round of 64 this weekend. Round of 32 on Tuesday. I believe I'll have a live stream, so make sure you're following me on Twitter and Instagram at Jack Vita Show, Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show, so that way you are in the loop whenever I release information about that live stream. And maybe we'll have another one this weekend, maybe another live stream. We got a lot coming up college basketball-wise, so make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Tell your friends. Get everyone subscribed. We got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Until then, however, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance lobsters. <laughs>